Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you if you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years. There is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're back for another edition of the AR-15 Podcast. On this episode, JD and I will discuss red dots for your AR. But before we get into the main topic... J.D., why don't you help us police some brass? Uh, shout out to our show sponsor, Extant Labs. That's E-X-T-A-N-T labs.com. Check them out. They're Echo 2.5. They're Alpha Sauce, break Contact. Uh, all the stuff that you need to keep your favorite AR-15 running at high uh, capacity. Is high capacity a word? Well, yeah. They accuse magazines of being, being high, high capacity. capacity. I don't want to work anything like that into it, but top efficiency, top efficiency. See, that's why I get paid the big bucks. Top efficiency, but extant labs, a great sponsor of the AR 15 podcast and uh, check out their website. That's extantlabs.com. E X T A N T E X T A N T labs.com. Thank you for being a show sponsor. You guys, uh, check them out. Uh, great products, put them on that M and P 22 and it runs like a dream now, even though she is a dirty, dirty, dirty girl. I don't think I've, cleaned her since i bought her well you know sometimes you just have to treat a rifle that way sometimes i think if i took her to the prom she'd be the female of equivalent of pig pen from the peanuts gang oh you think so yeah all right since we just recorded the how to upgrade your ar or upgraded girl you brought to the prom or your ar that well, you bought from the store there you go yeah so so you know we've uh, started doing a, a different angle in our segment the situation report so uh we thought to, to make it a little more substantive, a little beefier. And uh, with that being said, we decided that uh, this week's sit rep was going to cover what we like to call the caliber invasion. Now, you got to say it with like the caliber invasion. You got you to gotta well, bring no, some. No, no, I can't say it that way because I'm not in radio. You're Ladies and gentlemen, there. it's the caliber invasion. You got you to gotta throw some meat behind that, well, meat and potatoes. Need some reverb. Invasion, invasion, This Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Yeah, something like that. I probably just totally slaughtered the audio on this. Well, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> It'll just be this blinding blurb, this wall of sound, and then I'll get a bunch of hateful email. At least we we did eat our snacks, or I ate my snack in between episodes. Absolutely. So I'm I'm practicing my stealth consumption here, just for this is me. That's that's you crumbling up your potato chip bag. That, that's my bag of chips. So the hate mail can go to Reed at AR15 Pod. Actually, it can go to Reed or it can go to Sean at WeLikeShooting.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, we are a part of the Firearms Radio uh, Network. We do need to work that in. Oh yeah, yeah. So the caliber invasion. So you know, I think. That if I were to look back from the beginning of the podcast to today, my recollection year over year is that in the early days, you did not see the number of newly developed, newly released cartridges um, that you do today. I mean, it's, it's just crazy. been kind of a snowballing acceleration of interest in an expansion of this kind of available cartridge question. I think we have a drunk caliber problem. <laughs> I really do. Like when we have the 872 Ogre coming out, I mean, there's so many different things. Like, and then we've got the 624 Max. 
I mean, just all these different calibers come out that they just ran, like they have think tanks now that they like, now we're going to run out of numbers. We're going to have to go up into the thousands. Uh We're going to have the 1400 pterodactyl. Like, I mean, it's just insane how many calibers are out there. We are going to run out of woodland creatures to name these poor calibers after. Well, you know, we could start having minerals. You know, we could do minerals. 288 amethyst. <laughs> Gosh. When we get to, when we get like to the 423 ferret, you know, we've got to stop. We've got a problem. We may even have a problem now. I think the 350 legend, which we'll actually cover on in a segment. In a couple shows, uh, like, yeah. uh, well, you know, when when you have to go to marketing and have a focus group to name a new caliber, <laughs> you probably had too many in the pipeline for far too long. But I mean, what do you mean, like, like this caliber invasion? It's like we're overrun with that. This is goes way beyond the the meme that you see on Facebook: the nine millimeter, the forty Smith and Wesson, and then the forty five, and it has the the pretty girl, the prettier girl, and then the grandma. You know, it, it doesn't. This goes way beyond that. This is like, if you were to have one of every caliber that's like been marketed over the last five years. I'd be divorced. I'd be broke. I might even be, you know, in debtor's prison. I don't know if you could do it. I I mean, you'd have to have unlimited resources to do it because it's just. Well, I mean, it's an investment in firearms and an investment if you're going to be a reloader and because there may not be enough commercially available ammunition, then it's an investment in dies an investment in brass an investment whatever it takes to you know fire form brass if you know you don't have a source of it you know all of these things really kind of step into a, a different plateau and i think for me there's two kind of there's two things that split when i think the <coughs> caliber war or caliber wars is what i want to say but caliber invasion yeah it kind of splits in two ways one of them's to catch the next big wave to like catch the next big thing and to be to make money right right the other one is innovation to do something, to to innovate, to go farther, to get better ballistics, to perform better, to to just exceed expectations. Right. I think it splits like that. Sometimes, maybe sometimes they meet in the middle, and maybe there's calibers that hit that. It's almost like the crazy hot scale on how to how yeah. I met your mother. Yeah. But I, there's some that ride that center line. We know I'm reminded, and I don't want you to give me grief about it, but it's the 10 millimeter 357 SIG issue back in the mid 80s. There was an, there was a shootout. There is an FBI. Yeah, I remember. You know, shootout and a number of agents were killed. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, soul searching, uh, about the question of what does it take to take a human being down in that kind of encounter? Um, whatever was discussed, all of the things that, that, you know, swirled about that, you know, aside, I think what you saw come out of the discussion was the 10 millimeter, the 40 caliber Smith and Wesson and the 357 SIG. And the, the conclusion was that those were somehow the, um, uh, application of leading edge technology to combat the problem that they decided was at issue. So to me, that's the development of a caliber um, in pursuit of the resolution of a problem. You know, someone said, here's a problem. What's going to solve it? Yeah. And three choices came up. Now, 10 never really gained any ground in terms of wide scale um, application. I think a lot of people thought it was like too much. 
But at the same time, 10 millimeters, it's used for, you know, people that go into Alaska to hunt, you know, caribou or, you know, sheep or whatever that it is they are because, you know, they want to be able to encounter a bear and not die. 10 millimeter, that's what I need to kill a bear. Uh, you look at the 40 Smith & Wesson and the 357 SIG, they both had that trajectory into law enforcement. I think universally the 40 was much more successful, although the 357 SIG was adopted by many agencies. I, I, I do think you see those agencies, some of those agencies, kind of reverting back to old tried-and-true calibers, but I think that's a result of technology being applied to projectiles and brought forward. So perhaps they don't feel that that, you know, what was once new and great thing is really all that necessary. But I mean, I think that to me is kind of an illustration of how some caliber development is forced. Someone has a problem and the problem is answered with that new explosion of calibers. But what's the other one? Grabbing market share. <clears throat> what would you say would be an example in the last couple of years of that? I'm going to say the Nosler, the 22 Nosler. Mm. I don't, I mean, and of course, these are our opinions. But well, for me, but for I, me, it's I, I like the opposite. Like you yeah. said, like you just said, this was a problem that needed to be solved. Right well, now, somebody identified a problem. Somebody identified and they a problem. A solution. Yeah, and they solved it. Right now, there are calibers out there that are solutions for problems that don't exist. Yes, yes. And so it's like, well, and you know, I think, I think, you know, you could take a all right, twenty-two Nosler hunting round, universally a hunting round. I mean, is that what you'd say? Sure. I think you could take anything that you would kill with a twenty-two Nosler, and I can give you examples of other things already in the market. Much more prolific in terms of either ammunition choice or platforms with which to shoot that particular caliber, and there there are probably plenty that abound. Now, would you think twenty two Nosler took off? It, it, what I don't think it took off like they expected it to. I would agree. I I, I it you know it's not something that in the in our AR sphere was really ever that you know front and center. Yeah, but it was more. We, yeah, it was more fur hunting. But we saw it. We saw it. We saw. It talk about it and we saw people opine about it and you're right i don't i would not say that it took off like some people hyped it or thought it would take off i'm trying to think of other calibers that took off that have stuck around well i i would say creedmoor six five creedmoor i mean we're gonna do a whole show on creedmoor yeah we had we had somebody write in about a creedmoor building so we're gonna form a, a show around it reed's got a couple of creedmoor builds i got one in the works i think creedmoor I mean, I don't think there's anything that Creedmoor does that you can't find something else in the world that, you know, can't do the same thing. I mean, yeah, they're all kind of variations on a theme and, you know, I'm better at this or worse at that as a caliber. But, I mean, I think they all are running neck and neck with each but other. But for being developed in like two, the late 2000s and then here we are 10, 12 years later and it's still being – like, wasn't it the darling a couple of years ago of SHOT Show? The Creedmoor? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was the darling like – I want to say three years ago. Yeah, so – Three, two, yeah. Everybody was talking about it, but at that point, it had been about ten years old. Yeah, and so it just it just caught on, especially in the AR, in the AR market. It just it caught on, and now people are doing Creedmoor builds and you know using it in other applications and stuff like that. And, and more and more, you see them as regular parts of people's lineup. It's mm -hmm. one of the regular SKUs that you might see in mm -hmm. an inventory. People song. I think. What do you think of Grendel six five? Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to. Go off half cocked. I mean, I like the cartridge, but 
you know, uh, what was it? The Grendel. There's a Grendel one and two, isn't there? And LBC, Les Bear Custom, had their 264. LBC 264, which is basically the Grendel on the Grendel 2 bolt face, but with their particular approach to it. I mean, we might have to scrap the, this whole recording if I'm totally off base there, so I'm going to go look at it. But, you know, I, I think that that whole approach to bringing a cartridge into existence really didn't have a whole lot to do with I'm developing the cartridge that will end the need for all other cartridges. I think somebody liked whatever it was they were pursuing, brought it into being, and then it had a couple of, you know, splits. I mean, how do you go from one cartridge into three? Yeah. You know, without their, I mean, most cartridges, you bring it to the market, it's SAMI certified, and that's it exists. It's one cartridge. You know, there's not two other versions of it. Now I'm going to sound like a homer. <laughs> How? Are you ready? Sure. Because I think another branch off that, that crazy hot scale is the innovators that are doing it not so much for the money or not for the money at all. And I mean, we know, we know them very, very well. The Mad Dog Weapon Systems guys, you know, they're doing it for the love of the science and the, the, uh, the build behind it. Um, Mark and those guys, yes. you know, building the different calibers and stuff out of it. They're not getting rich. Off well, of this stuff. And I think that's the distinction between a wildcatter and an ammunition company. company yeah. You know, if we were going to talk about. Because it's different because because yeah. he, he's talking about this is almost like open source. It's like this is for the people like this. We're bringing this so people yeah. can can use it and enjoy it. We're not doing this to keep it for ourselves, And then we're just, you know, we're going to market it and sell it and everything like that. This is like this is for the people. Um, well, let's see who's who's behind the Grendel. Wasn't that, I want to say, Alexander, wasn't it? Alexander Arms? Uh, Beowulf in? Dude, I can't get him for an interview. Matt, I've tried, man. While he's uh, looking that up, I like literally have tried every SHOT Show, NRA show that we've gone to. Email after email, I have tried to get Alexander Arms. They just, they're, they're just impossible to get. We've even tried to buy an upper to do it. So, I mean, uh, we may have to actually reach out to somebody who's a, a uh, Beowulf savant. And you think so? Yeah, and have them just on the show and like be like, "This is the AR-15 podcast savant of a Beowulf." <laughs> well, Alexander does have Grendel products. I'm just not sure what his involvement was with the development of the cartridge. Okay. Uh, Lou Palmazano and Ferris Pindle uh, were at the beginnings of the issue. Um, that led to the Grendel. But I think that there's this whole community of wildcatters. And I think that, you know, Alexander is one of the old school, um, old guard wildcatters. Wildcatters, it's hard to get a hold of. Yeah. He doesn't understand new media. Email. But then you look at, uh, Mark Texel over there at Mad Dog. He's, he's the new vanguard of wildcatters. Who and, understands new media and email? Yeah. But I think the point is, uh, they, are in it for the love of the expression. It's art. You know, it's the art of numbers and metal and explosives. And it is what, you know, makes their heart pound in their chest. It's a passion. Man, watching him at SHOT Show and him sharing with us what was going on, dude, he was excited. He was like, like not to dumb it down, but he was like a kid at Christmas, man. Mm -hmm. When he was telling us all about it, like he was lit up. Oh, yeah. And like, he was all excited about it and then coming on the show and sharing about it. That's the kind of stuff that, 
that gets us excited and knowing that those are the things that end when it's just a, when it's just a big conglomerate pushing it out saying this is going to be the next big thing. That's not really for them to decide who decides that is us collectively. Right. And we decided as consumers, what's going to be the next big thing. Just- uh, and you know, when you see it that way, it's interesting because I, I lock into the, the two reactions. One reaction um, when it's, you know, the manufacturer driven, you know, come into this lane, this is the new thing, buy all of this stuff so that you can be a part of the new group. And I mean, I, to me, it's just advertising, you know, group think yeah. junk. Lemmings. But when like, I, yeah. when I get a chance to talk to Mark, when I see him really get excited and when I start talking with him about the nuance and, and the, uh, you know, the engineering or the, the, you know, what things there are at play in a given series of choices, you begin to see the passion and you, you know, you catch the excitement. It, it's, you know, it's like a disease. It's I guess contagious. You, you get excited with Mark because he's so excited. Yeah. And on the one hand, I'm like, I am not going to buy your stupid cartridge. And on the other hand, it's like, I want to be there for this ride. What do I need to do to get in on the ground floor? And to me, I think the motivation, the one motivation isn't as pure or pure at all compared to the other. When Mark gets in there, he's motivated by this purity for the pursuit, his excitement to be, you know, in the middle of wildcatting. And I think that's what makes it more palatable because you get swept up in the excitement too. It's contagious. And I mean, we're not saying that like if the 350 legend is your jam, you know, don't go do it. We're saying is like th- th- there's different strokes for different folks. Like just if you like something, be be involved with it and, and do it. But don't do it just because you you're being told to by some conglomerate. Like this is the next big thing. I got to be a part of it. Make sure right. you research into it and do it because it may be you may be you may see the next big thing. Because guess what? The hype machine's going to start ramping up. We're getting into May. The the hype machine for Shot Show 2020 is going to be or 2019. Is it 2020? Uh, yeah, 2020. 2020. The hype machine's going to start probably August. New caliber. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's, yeah, there's that possibility. New caliber coming out. It's going to be the it's going to be the next new thing for 2020, and it's it's going to have a hype machine behind it. It's going to have a lot of marketing behind it. It's going to have mm. a lot of money behind it. And guess what? It may fall flat on its face. Well, and I think, you know, you, you think about like the original, the early days of, of uh, caliber um, development, you know, when it was Remington and Winchester, and there just wasn't a mechanism for the wildcatters to get out there and, and be impactful like there is today. How many of those would come to market and they'd fail? Yeah. I mean, Remington would come to market with a caliber and a rifle that would shoot it, and it just would not catch on, you know. I think it's almost by virtue of the fact that you have the environment we do today that they're willing to do it more often. Yeah. I mean, they're willing to take big swings because big swings can pay off. Like if you hit a home run, guess what? If they hit a home run with their hype machine, they make all their money back because they're not just selling you, you know, most of the time, like one company, for instance, that we won't mention, they're selling you a caliber, but they're also putting a couple rifles behind it. So they're going all in on this. And if it, if it bites and it catches then they're due to make a lot of money. Right, right. And so... They have a vested interest in yeah. success. And so if it, it succeeds, it's awesome for them. But it, guess what? If it fails, they're big enough 
It ain't. I mean, it'll sting. Probably it'll hurt. Yeah. Somebody's probably gonna get. Someone will have to fall on their sword. But, yeah, somebody's you know, gonna get beat up. They're coming back tomorrow to make more of whatever else is successful. Yeah. So I mean, I guess just be really careful with the the calibers that you go into. Like, make sure that uh, you like what you like, and don't get caught up in the hype machine. You know, I think my my reticence, my, the thing that I don't want to watch is a company that comes out behind something like a new caliber and goes to their diehards. You know, if, you know, Pickle Ammunition comes out with, you know, the 287, you know, uh, Pickle Push or whatever, and they go to all of their fans and say, this is the end all be all. And they just go out and soak it up because it's being hyped by the people they trust and then the people they trust are going to bring a rifle to market that's going to shoot that caliber then they're going to invest in the rifle and then they're going to invest in die or invest in this invest in that all of a sudden that company's made this money off of something that that consumer really didn't need to buy they've 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 been lured into the marketing hype and you know they've been parted from their hard-earned dollars to me i don't i don't see anything good about that i have no problem with someone that says here's a caliber this is the problem it addresses this is why you should buy the caliber this is why it should replace that caliber why you should use it instead of that caliber and here's the weapons that'll use it i don't have a problem with it if it's based on something it doesn't even have to be right Mm -hmm. if it's their opinion that this is the end all so be it. If other people catch your passion and follow you down that path, awesome. I hate to think that it's some, you know, douchebag dude with a marketing degree from an Ivy League school that's going to sit in a boardroom and groupthink this so that it comes into being. Exactly what is that guy doing involved with this industry? I mean, that kind of sickens me because the whole purpose is I'm going to separate you from your money. Because you're not smart enough to know I'm full of crap. And that makes you an easy mark, and that's who I'm going maybe, to go after. Maybe I'm too idealistic and hope that there's more integrity in the, the companies that we deal with. I mean, I believe there's a lot of integrity in the companies that you and I personally deal with on the show and have on the show. But I also know I'm also I'm also not naive enough to believe that all the companies in the firearms industry are all on the up and up. There's going to be bad apples. There's going to be ones well, that... I wouldn't say there's bad apples. I wouldn't say that that's the way a company exists. What I would say is that a company comes into being with the sole purpose of um, increasing shareholder value. When your shareholders are, I don't know, private equity groups, and they're going to put you, you know, through your paces to increase their value, you begin to have to lose sight of things that are important. Yeah. I mean, if that's the end all of your existence, you're going to miss some of the good things. Not to say that it's bad. I think we all want to see our, you know, 401ks and IRAs increase in value. And the only reason that happens is because some guy out there says, my job is to make shareholder value increase. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I, I really don't want to think that they're going to take advantage of somebody that is going to buy their product because they're, I don't know, brainwashed into thinking that that's what I need to buy. Or just a loyal customer that's going to trust the company to, to do it. That's brand I loyal. trust them so much that if they say I buy this, I will. Yeah. So I don't know. Caliber invasion. I think that, that we haven't seen the end of it. I think no. that the more times we see success, the more times we're going to see new companies enter the fray because they think they're missing out on something that they can capture. But I think we'll also have, I think there will be successes that 
we decide. Well, I think there's we are the only ones that decide. I think success. I think we decide the success. I think we as the consumer decide the success of the round. I don't think the hype machine. No, I think the hype machine. The, can the get hype people. machine can get people, and it can pay for itself. Yeah, but, but I don't. once you've paid for your initial investment, paid for yourself, they'll cut and run as soon as they figure out that it's not worth it. But here's what happens to the hype machine. So you know, we talked about the company we won't name. So they they lay that out. They put a few rifles. They sell to that core group of people. But then that caliber goes away, and that was, those people are stuck with this rifle that is in this caliber that they can still get rounds for. But it's really not. It really didn't take off. Yeah. It really didn't do anything. They're not going to have the broad base support that they would for like what what they did, that company spent, the company spent the credit that they had with those people. Yes. They won't be able to come back and do it. And they won't be able to come back to the well. True. True. And so that company will suffer and that company will eventually fade away if you keep doing that kind of stuff. But yeah, man, that was a good discussion. Or I I think so. Or I just like hearing ourselves talk. Yeah. One or the other. All right. Well, are we ready for our uh, main topic sponsor and uh, I think we are to the big topic. Uh, Alex over at ammo.com saving you money. Uh, when you order on your next order of $200 or more, you can save 20 bucks. When you use a special link, ammo.com slash AR15 podcast, uh, that's $20 on your next order of $200 or more. When you use our special link, that's ammo.com slash AR15 podcast. And, uh, thanks, Alex, for, uh, what you do. We appreciate you taking, uh, having patience with us during our sabbatical. Um, so uh, thanks, Alex. All right. Main topic time. Red dots. Red dots. You know. Red dots are great, and that's all we got for you. Have a good one. You said something the other day, or somebody said something. Uh, no, it was Chad Wallace. Posted a, oh, man, posted, can I get away from that guy? He posted a, a, a picture, and it's something about, you know, get out of here with those iron sights. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I keep thinking, I, I learned how to shoot um, the, the M16A2, um, and all they had were irons on it. That's how it, it you know, went to the range. They didn't have the, the ACOGs. They didn't have any other kind of battlefield optics or anything. So that's what I knew. But, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd been shooting bolt guns up to that point, and every one of them had a scope on them. You know, I put a scope to my eye long before I ever knew what an iron sight was. But that training tells me, informs me that I need to know how to do both. Dude, whatever. No, no. You came out of the womb with iron sights. That may be. That's how the doctor delivered you. The point You lined it up, and that's how you came out, man. That's fine. But the point being is that I don't discount the value of a red dot. I don't discount the value of, you know, a magnified object. I, I think they are incredibly valuable. My whole shtick is that, look, when the batteries <laughs> run out or, you know. When the uh, AMP happens. When it, a round comes to the side of that housing and you have to go back to, you know, the basics, do you know how to use them? So I'm just going to believe that I do not have a problem with red dot. I have a ton of them. So there we go. But, you know, here's the thing. Uh, we're in an age where we've developed some technologies that really make it so much easier to shoot and be accurate, much more so than, you know, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. It's just so much easier to go out and get a good quality red dot, put it on your rifle, be able to go out and, you know, get her lined up and use it and be, you know, really happy with the results. So that being said, there is a wide price point. And red dots. Yep. From the NC, uh, NC Star, you know, $60 uh, red dot. All the Not recommended up. by the AR-15 podcast. Absolutely 
garbage. Not recommended at Whoever all. Whoever NCSR is, you guys make trash. Um, <laughs> all the way up to, I don't know, a Comp M5 at, I don't know. Probably like Grant. 11, 11 or 12,000, 1100. And I'm sure there are plenty of choices out there that could be more so, more expensive. But to me, I mean, the epitome of ruggedness, of durability, of, um, I don't know, being able to do what it's meant to do. The Comp M5 is, it's there. So between those two, where are you supposed to go? I think that's what we're going to talk about here. Um, well, we're not going to the NC Star. I, I bought one. The very, very early days of my foray into the modern AR. Okay. I mean, remember, Iron Side Guy, I, I, I bought an NC Star because I didn't know what they were. Hell, I don't think anybody knew what they were. They learned pretty darn quick because I'm betting that first year that they were out, you know, 99% of them went in the trash because they were garbage. Hmm. I mean, I remember um, putting that on the rifle, taking it to the range, shooting it, and in that first session, screws were backing out on the housing of the optic. That is just not right. I mean, use some Loctite, guys. I mean, really? I don't get it. I don't understand it. So the point is, is that there's crap. I, I made the mistake. So that's, that's why I always preach the things I do. Look, you know, it might hurt the pocketbook. Go buy something that's mm-hmm. got some value. It's got some quality. It's got a name or a reputation behind it. Because trust me, you're going to get there anyway. You just want to get there because you bought three optics that were crap first. Buy once. Cry once. It's the best. So, um, kind of in an order of lower, more effective products we have faith in to... The extreme. I think, I think our list shows like there are a couple. I, I think our list shows, um, there's one that I tried on a T and E. I'll tell you about that. But I think everything on our list is stuff that I have faith in. Um, other, the one T and E I'm fine with and I'll, I'll share my thoughts on that in just a second. But everything else on the list I have faith in. I don't think it's, I don't think it's in an order. I think it's an order of probably price or, um, name or prestige. All right. For me. Well, let's start with that first one. Okay, so all of these, uh, for me, anything that uh, I had, uh, I knew we were doing the show for a while, so I actually took some time out on the range uh, months ago, and uh, all these went on a Nevetsky Infidel, and so they had the base rifle, and uh, I used all of them and knocked them around for about 100 rounds each, um, just to just to give them all the base. Uh, the first one was a T&E that I got uh, from Sightmark. Um, I hadn't heard of the company, but they had offered a T&E, uh, leading up to SHOT Show. And, uh, I decided to check it out. The Element, uh, Red Dot site they have at, uh, MSRPs for, uh, 156 bucks. 155.99, which is kind of an odd price point. Well, the Oreos are being opened. There's somebody out there in the marketing world that decided that that was their proper price to attract the most number of consumers. Here, here's what I thought. A basic Red Dot. You know, solid for me, knocked it around. It didn't, uh, it, it felt solid. It didn't feel cheap or chintzy or anything like that. Not an NC star or anything like that. Um, I, I was actually expecting that when I got it, to be honest with you. Um, so I was, uh, a little bit more impressed with, uh, initially when I opened it up and, uh, put it through the, the tests and just kind of played with it. Um, when I got it on the rifle and got it out there, uh, I didn't have any problems with it. Uh, the red dots bright. Um, you know, if I'm putting together my basic rifle, 
you know, like we had the episode of how to upgrade, this would be something I'd probably put on it, uh, 150 bucks to, to do it. Uh, maybe if I got it on a deal, I'd feel better about it with some of the other optics that you can get. Um, you know, I take that back now thinking about, uh, some of the other ones we have on the list. I mean, at that price point, I probably wouldn't, but, uh, it was solid all the way around. I think it's probably priced a little bit higher than, uh, it should be. Uh, let me compare it to something real quick and oh, let's see. see real quick here. Cause I think you know what I'm going to compare it to. I hope you're not going to compare it to an NC star because even an element no. is better. Than no, th- I, this is bet Like, I don't think, I don't know much about this company. Uh, I know it's solid and it didn't feel like it was cheaply built. It felt like it had solid quality construction behind it. Um, would I recommend you go out and buy one? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, I think there are other choices that we trust more in the pri- in the price point and on deals in deals for 80 and sometimes on sale more. You can get a comparable one that is just about, that looks about the same with more options from a company that has a lifetime warranty that we trust. Who, pray tell? Vortex, a strike fire. I mean, okay. so you could do that. So that's the site, the site mark element. Um, didn't have any problems with it. I think it's a little bit overpriced. Um, I don't really have anything really ne- more negative to say under that. What does the warranty information say? It says a lifetime warranty. Why, okay. Well, lifetime warranty. It's 150 bucks. I mean, I mean, I think that it's kind of hysterical because when you look on the internet about people who go back and forth about, oh, but it's got a lifetime warranty, but oh, don't you know what that means? Yeah, there's a group that says lifetime warranty means that they're all junk. They just want to, you know, replace them as fast as they break. Well, that's not true. Okay, well, here, now this changes it. All right, what changes what? So I just did a quick search to see what you could do for sale. Now, Amazon has it for sale by Sightmark, the company that makes it, Mm -hmm. for 78 bucks. So for 80 bucks. For 80 bucks, I would probably put it on a cheap AR that wouldn't have a problem. I wouldn't have a problem with that. At 155 bucks, I'm saving my pennies and moving up to an AR or right. moving up to a Vortex or something like that. I can see that. So I would uh, probably not shop at their website. Oh, this kind of is a little frightening. What's that? Well, this. Did you just, are they on Finger Hut? No, this site mark, mark um, reflex site. Yeah. It's a whole lot like an NC star. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I hope site mark isn't a rebranded NC star. Then I'd have to take away. There we go. Take away what? My pay? No, my endorsement. No, keep going. Now, so I mean, it, it, just under 80 bucks. I mean, from Amazon, I don't, you're not going to touch it. I don't think you're going to touch. Well, shoot. Now I have to take it back again because you're going to touch one of the optics for just a little bit more than that on this list. And I trust that name more than I trust this name. If you're looking for a bang rifle, if you're looking for a truck gun that you're going to knock around and kill, and you don't care about the optic getting banged around, I think this one may be beefy enough to kind of take it for a little bit. Do you, oh my gosh, shut up. I'm not saying that they're the same, but. Dude, that is the exact same thing. It looks like the exact same. It is the exact same thing. Is that NC Star? Dude, that is the exact same thing. I mean, I'm. Just a uh, couple little differences. I don't even think there are a couple little differences. No, look at the screws on the side. The screws are a little bit different. Uh, just on this mounting just hardware, the, mount, the mount's a little different. That's fine, you know. Holy smokes! Look at that. You know what? The mounts are reversed. The screws and the moving lip are on that side. That's the where the moving lip. If you turn that mount around, you might see those. 
But you see, mm, I find it really hard to believe that Ooh. having the exact same profile, I mean, to the point where... It's pretty stinking close. I mean, I don't think you can say it's different. I don't think you can. I don't think you could. Here's the full disclosure. This, this company sends out emails for test T&Es all the time. I'm sure Reed gets them too. No, I don't. I stay out of that space. And the, for shot show media stuff? Oh, if they do, then I don't pay attention. It goes to John. Yeah, it goes to John. (laughs) We get several of those that come through. And so I gave it a shot. I put it on the red dot thing. I don't know, man. That, that looks. That looks too close for me to say that it's not. I have no idea. I would spend I your money. I would it. spend your money on a Romeo from Sig mm-hmm. before I spent your money on this. I didn't so, have any problems with it, but this newly branded information. I now. I mean, here's the thing. Granted, when I bought that thing, that was what 13 years ago. I don't think well, they have a good reputation today either. Well, they don't. But I mean, the point is, is that. It is not hard with that technology to produce something that will do the right job. Yeah. I think you can get a, a rookie engineer from a mediocre university to go out and design something that will do the job and do it well enough. Just keep in mind, if you're selling this to a guy that's going to take that AR out once a year and blow through 30 rounds, he's never going to figure it out. Yeah, that's true. Now, you know, you put this on the rifle of a guy that's, you know, serving in the, you know, uh, Iraq or Afghanistan, you know, with uh, the Marines, you got to tear the crap out of that thing in about 2.5 seconds, if that much. Did you ever see NC Star at shot? No. I don't think they let him in because <laughs> they're afraid they're going to steal other Sight, people's stuff. Sight marks, it's, it was at shot. I mean... Honestly, I don't know enough about the industry to know whether I don't or not know, this I don't is some creative branding issue. I, for, with my money, I wouldn't buy it. You know, I, I'm, I'm just looking at it. I'm thinking, actually, you know what I think? It was, you know, these were all the cheap things that, you know, cheaper than dirt when they had a physical store here. And I'd walk by that glass and I see those things and, you know, NC Star, Sightmark. Oh, no. Cause I mean, they just, they, they didn't have it price point they didn't have a look that that said to me that there was any substance there yeah. so all right so all right so we're said, gonna say we're gonna say eh-eh on that one well it's dubious you may be buying twice crying twice yeah but so there there's a link to it in in the show notes if you want to if you want to check it out for yourself it didn't it didn't disappoint you it didn't break down it expected. didn't yeah, i i but i wasn't expecting the moon i but, wasn't expecting yeah. a, a Vortex or SIG right. or anything like that. But guilt by association when there, oh. um, one optic, I forget even what optic that was, it looks exactly like an NC, NC star. star. You got to wonder, you know, how, how close incestuously is it? related are the two companies? Yeah. Um, the next up, now these are companies that are in that I trust, that I know about, um, that, uh, Either we've had on the show or want to have on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hollow Sun being one of those. Now, I think Hollow Sun started out um, not being taken too seriously in the beginning. Would you agree or well, would you put it differently? You know what? I would put it differently. There's a, a hurdle, a barrier to entry. You know, you can't be EOTech with their years of presence, engineering, uh, capabilities. So uh, you mean you can't be like off at 125 right. degrees? ACOG, Trichicon. So you can't be overpriced? No, you can't be. <laughs> but you can't be a company that has all of that experience uh, and expect someone that 
that starts yesterday and for them to take each other's take that yesterday company seriously. I'm completely joking, by the way. Oh, yeah, I know. But I think a hollow sun stepped into the arena with some products and nobody knew where they were coming from. Yeah. But I think you could say the same thing for every company. There is a point. You don't know where they're coming from. Just like the last one we just did. You don't know where they're coming from. Well, and, you know, what is it? Aimpoint? When they were basically a European company and they were producing hunting scopes with, you know, red dots in the middle. And then that product offering evolves into this kind of military capability or this law enforcement capability. And they gain the reputation that they do. I mean, I don't think anybody took them seriously back when they were trying to come to the U.S., but all of a sudden they start addressing some needs. They start fielding some products. They start filling some, you know, empty areas and people's wish list. And now we know who they are. And more than that, they never failed you. So you trust them. I agree. So I think Holosun's made uh, leaps in that category. They've shown that they have been a, a faithful company with their products and they've grown. And we've seen them, their presence grow at SHOT Show, their influence grow. You now see them everywhere. Um, on Instagram and on Facebook on top of rifles and stuff. So I think they're growing as a company and uh, we look forward to trying to get them on and, and see if we can, uh, interview them and talk about their, uh, their rise and the start of their company. Um, this is a, a optic or a red dot that's very close to my heart. Uh, I won it sitting next to Reed at the last year's TGC panel. Um, it was amazing. It was such an experience. Uh, this is the HE515CT Elite. <laughs> yeah, just remember the the negative part about being one of my guests is that I can throw something at your head when you start messing with me. <laughs> um, so this uh, red dot that I won while sitting next to Reed. Um, so it's got what? No, keep going. I think that is pertinent information. I think it has nothing to do with the I situation. You I just enjoy rubbing it in. I think it's rub it in there, Baldy. So this uh, this winning red dot. <laughs> Has a, uh, solar face, uh, fail safe, uh, shake awake, um, I, it's a red reticle. I have pulled it out of the box once, put it on the Vesky and put it back in the box, uh, because shooting has been kind of, uh, secondary to the job hunt recently, but, uh, ran a hundred rounds through it. It worked exactly what I expected. It was my first, uh, experience with Hollow Sun. Um, wasn't disappointed at all. I actually thought, Great for what it does, you know, felt like I was shooting, um, with a high quality red dot, um, didn't have any, uh, trouble with it, kind of banged it around a little bit, actually dropped the rifle off the back of the truck. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Why do they let you walk out of the store with crap like that? Well, see, here's the problem. I'm big and so Give I'm clumsy. Well, because I'm a winner. <laughs> <laughs> Can you translate that finger gesture over the podcast, please? Oh, wow. How do we, how do we translate that? That's, I'm number one. Got it. Um, get an explicit rating and then I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> so, uh, it fell, it fell, um, due to user error and, um, it still performed function and was right on target. Um, so I was pretty impressed with it. Uh, the price point, um, of it at, uh, Hollison's website is 505. I'm going to see if I can't find it somewhere else real quick. Well, and I'm going to tell you that I think universally, if you start looking at manufacturers' websites, 
They're not going to undercut their distributors. I'm seeing 425, 429. 429 in stock at Optics Planet. Yeah, but Optics Planet takes forever to ship. Forever to ship. Let me see if I can find it somewhere else. So, did I mention I won it? But, uh, hold on. This awkward silence brought to you by a slow internet connection. Trying to get this out and search this real quick. Um, checking Joe Bob Outfitters real quick to see if they have a hollow sun, uh, in stock. Search around for it. Search Brownells, Joe Bob's, uh, Midway, a couple other places you can check out. Um, they usually have them on for a little bit cheaper, but, uh, was not disappointed by the Holosun at all. Looking forward to having them on the show and, uh, talking to them about, uh, the start, the rise of their com- company and uh, what's going on. Probably send them an email this week and see if we can't have them on soon. Um, our next optic starts a run on one of the companies we are big fans of, um, Vortex. Now Vortex has several red dot offerings, um, I'll just read off some of them real quick. The Razors, the Viper, the Venom, um, the Crossfire, uh, some of those. Uh, I don't have any experience with those. Um, and I don't think Reed does either. I think we've. Well, let's see. I think we cut, like the one, I listed the, the ones that we didn't have on the list mm-hmm. because I got the ones we have. Dude, the Crossfire looks familiar. I think your former co-host may have had a. No, he had a. Sp- Bark or the prism. The prism. I have a prism. I think I have a crossfire. You think you have a crossfire? Yeah. I think I might have a crossfire. Okay. So the, the first one up is the Spark 2 red dot. Put on the Noveski. Man, it's let, let me preface this. I had to overcome EOTech fanboyism. You, um, you, you were suffering from EOTech I was, fanboyism. I was, and I'm still a big EOTech guy. Um, because my first rifle I put EOTech on. I love the way EOTechs look. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, for a while I thought that's the way my rifle should look. And that's what I would put an EOTech 512 on the top of all my rifles. And that's, that was it. That's what I was going to do. And then I realized there's a great big world out there. And I would leave my little EOTech hut and I would go be okay. And my rifle's feelings wouldn't be hurt because it's just an inanimate object. Right. So I started branching out. And I realized I could like more than one thing. And nobody's feelings would be hurt. So I had to overcome that fanboyism. And man, I tell you what, there's a great big world about out there about stuff that looks really freaking cool on your rifles and that performs really well. And Vortex does a lot of really cool stuff. Yep. And the Spark um, 2 uh, on top of my Noveski actually sits there um, with the magnifier now, the three times magnifier that they have. Right. And so that's my setup for that rifle now. Um, didn't have any problems shooting a hundred rounds. Um, it, it was the first one out of the box because it's, it's there. It's on it. I shot it with the magnifier without it. Um, the magnifiers, I, I've shot the EOTech magnifier and a couple other magnifiers. They're, they're really nice. Yeah. Um, the, the Vortex magnifier is nice too. Um, I just got to get used to, to working it. How to get it to flip over. But, um, the spark, it, it does what it's supposed to do. It's quick to get on the target, to aim, to move around. Um, the Noveski is my home defense rifle. Even with the flaming pig on it, I want those 
you know what's to see that thing coming. <laughs> um, but some of the highlights for this thing, um, from Vortex, I just reading this, the magnifier is not recommended for this. <laughs> I never listened to the rules. <laughs> nope. No, you don't. But, uh, 300 hours on the highest setting, 6,000 hours on the lowest. Um, I really, the brightness from it's good. I have astigmatism. And so it's not, red dots aren't always the clearest for me. It, it's kind of like a, I think I said it was ladies Gaga's nose is what yeah. it looks like uh, earlier, but I am a big, big vortex fan. And, um, so the spark, the spark works for me. Do you have a spark? Let's see. No, I don't have a spark. Okay. So we're going to, I've got a strike fire. We're going to move to the next one, which is that a str- strike fire? Yeah. I struggled with the strike fire at first because of how high it sat. Yeah. I wasn't sure I'd like it. I don't think it has uh, a different um, profile than the Comp M4. I think it sits about just as high. The Comp M4 sits on my 300 blackout that I haven't shot. In how long? Uh, a long time. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's much difference in terms of yeah, but the, what you're going to see. Okay, so we talked about my EOTech fandom. Yeah. Then I got a Comp M4. Your Comp M4 fandom? Yes. Um, then I was an Aimpoint fanboy. And um, I am just this brand you-know-what. I mean, I just... Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I thought this was a family-friendly show. Um, but I like I thought it should look that way. And so it took me a little bit to get to used to the strike fire. You know, if I thought my rifles looked like the way I think they should look, they'd all have ACOGs on them. But I'll be damned See, if I'm going to pay that for an ACOG. I'm sorry. See, that's the, that's the, <laughs> to me, that's the thing I want on the top of my Nevesky too. Is I want an ACOG on top of yeah. it. You know, that's. I'm getting there. I'm slowly getting there. Yeah. You know, one day I'll pull the trigger on it, but uh, the strike fire, um, did a hundred rounds with it. Did what I expected to. Not disappointed in it. It's a great thing. Um, can you go back to the the spark real quick and get the MSRP on it? Uh, the MSRP on the Strike Fire is two forty. This is only two sixty for a two sixty. We are talking very affordable, very solid red dots from Vortex. And you're going to find those cheaper. Uh, at the, the retailers, then you're going to find them on sale from time to time. You may be able to find them cheaper in your gun stores, in your local gun stores. You're going to look it up and see what you I find. am. I'm going to see what the internet tells me I can buy one for today. Um, uh, 169 bucks on eBay. See, what is Amazon selling them for? 205 plus free shipping. That's 60 bucks less. Yeah, 205. That's, that's not bad at all. Mm-mm. So the crossfire and the spark there, the, um, the next one in the thing is Spitfire. These kind of lead into the next, uh, the next two optics too that go. They kind of fit in the same profile. The uh, Spitfire Prism Scope. Mm-hmm. Um, I put this on the Noveski, but this generally rests on a um, New Frontier Armory C5 build um, that I like, and I find it works really good with that pistol um, since it's a little bit more compact and smaller. Uh, MSRP on this about three fifty, so we're usually seeing about fifty dollars cheaper, sixty dollars cheaper. Would you say? I would. I would assume so. I can look it up real quick. Okay. We're talking about it. So it, you know, a hundred rounds through that. It took. It took the beating. It did everything. Um, this one actually rode in the back of the truck for a little bit down the dirt road, and uh, that rifle kind of been abused a little bit, but uh, it does really well. It 
it's kind of a, a smaller profile, so I felt like it was bigger for it was better for a a rifle that's a little bit smaller. I have put it on the SBR, but I felt like it was a little too small for me. But realized that I'm a I'm a bigger guy. Um, what's your experience with the Spitfire? You know, I don't think I have ever used a Spitfire. The Prism scopes. We had a couple come through the show, uh, but they went to another one of the co-hosts who did a test fire and an evaluation on them. Um, and in and, his boxers. Yeah. And he he. Uh, I don't think he found any fault with them, but you know, ultimately at the end of the day. You know, I just, I, I never found a compelling reason to get past the strike fire I was using. Yeah. Cause I think that they're all hovering around solving the same problem. So why do I need four different variations on a theme to get there? Yeah. See, and this, for me, it went past these all function for me the same way. So I could see putting four strike fires across on each one of my rifles and being totally content. Right now it came down to aesthetics and I wanted this one and this one. And I thought, okay, this is, these two are a little bit smaller, so this Spitfire goes back between a C5 and a C9 build that are um, pistol caliber pistols, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so like they're they're smaller in build, so it just helps me be able to move it a little bit more forward and have more eye relief for myself. Sure, sure. Um, totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, I mean, I think when it comes down to it, uh, for me, it was just too many choices. Drew a line in the sand, and that's where I stood, huh. and so. Past that, I've not invested because I just don't see where it's going to get me. Would you buy more? Would you buy more Vortex Red Dots? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think the problem is, is that you know, once again, I have some some brand issues. I love Vortex. I love their scopes. I'll buy their scopes all day long because there are other scopes that do the same things, and I'm like, nah, I don't trust it. Or they're asking way too much to do something that you know Vortex does cheaper. Um, but you know, I, I like the, the next couple of brands that we're going to talk about and, and that's where I have invested my money. I gotcha. But I love my strike fire. For me, for me, it's going to be Vortex probably because of a, for the price point, you know, I'm just at a place where money's, you know, watch really closely. And when I get back, um, into a gig, um, you know, I got to get back on my feet before that stuff starts going again, but you know, I'm going to watch really closely and, you know, for the, for the money, you can't get a better, I don't think you can get a better product. I think you can get probably on the same level with the next optics we're going to talk about or very much on the same level. Um, I mean, really when it comes to the two, I would trust them the same. I would spend my money with them the same. The only thing is, is that I'm, I'm a bigger SIG fanboy mm -hmm. than I am. A Vortex fan. And see, I would probably lean lean more Vortex. And it has nothing to do with the optics. It's that I shoot SIG firearms. Yeah. And and that's where the fanboy love is. Yeah, I got you. So I can't say that it has anything to do with the product. Yeah. So So a shout out to everybody at Vortex that's probably going to listen to this because they listen to the show. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening to the show. We love you guys very much. Let me express to Vortex that they have – my money invested in at least six of their optics compared to the two from SIG. And theirs were all scopes of the Viper caliber. Yeah, the rifle scopes that they have are out mm-hmm. of this world, mm-hmm. too. So mm-hmm. if you, like, we're doing red dots right now. But, yeah, like, yeah. when we get into a little bit long rangers, long range scopes and stuff like that, I don't know if we can beat price, performance, quality 
of Vortex. That would be a very short show to just, yeah, it's we hard, should just have hard. Vortex on and talk about their products to yeah. be, to be honest with you, to not, not totally. It's not like we haven't had them on a few times already. Yeah, I know, but I mean, it's hard to beat them. So, um, that's kind of a wrap on the Vortex line. Um, up well, next. and you know what? I, th- I think that it, it bears discussion. The fact that you can pick any level of uh, our discussion and you can find at least three, maybe as many as six companies that are producing equivalently priced, equally valuable and reliable. So I, I think it, it bears pointing out that at every level, uh, of optic that we have here, uh, you could probably find anywhere from three to as as many as six different companies that are going to make an equivalently priced, equally um, uh, valuable, um, as well constructed, as durable, as um, reliable a product, and you couldn't go wrong with any one of them. Uh, but you know. It, it's a function of choice or availability or whatever it is that drives you to go from, you know, one to the other. So don't think that we're, we're trying to exclude the others. But I think certainly if you can find someone that you believe is as good as, um, Vortex, then you're listening to our discussion of something at that level, at that price point. So, I mean, I think, I think that that's pretty consistent at every point that we've talked, wouldn't you say? I would agree. So, you know, I guess the next are the the Romeo um, Sig's entry into the line. Um, you know, Sig's red dots uh, basically encompass their Romeo One, which is like an RMR, um, the Four and the Five, which are you know a lot more like um, the Vortex offerings. Um, the Romeo 7 is, I think, a little closer to what they would envision a uh, Comp M4 being capable of. And, and the Romeo 8 is very EOTech-ish. Yeah, it's a red dot that, that I don't, I, I don't know that I could recognize a, an equivalent out there. Um, for me, I have the fours and the fives. Um, I got I think a five. Huh? I have a five. You have a five. I think they're great. Um, I like the feature sets. I like what they offer. I like their construction. Uh, I like everything that there is about them. And they came in for me at a really good price point. And so it, it didn't, you know, kill me to go out and, and buy multiples of them. So <clears throat> I think that it's a good offering and, and not knowing enough about what's under the hood because neither of us are electrical engineers. My guess, my thought is that the Romeos might be SIG's, um, SIG's attempt to put a higher quality, higher tier optic in the market, um, kind of offer a subsidy in terms of pricing to garner market share. You think they're taking a hit on it? I think they're taking a hit to come in cold without an electro-optics line and say, believe in us. And I think that as time goes and as time evolves, you're going to see them move into that middle tier and, you know, command more in terms of price. I, I could just be, you know, completely wrong, you know, ascribing motivations and believing in things that don't exist. But, you know, I'm... Sorry, you know, entering into a market you have no market share in and, you know, underpricing good products is not 
a an unknown tactic. Uh, companies have done it for ages, um, and SIG is not a company incapable of you know taking some hits to you know accomplish a goal. They have some some roots that allow them the ability to do that kind of thing. Um, it may not be true, but either way, I really do think they have good quality optics, and I do think that they're outstanding products. I would completely concur. My uh, Romeo 5 uh, swaps back and forth on those uh, New Frontier pistols uh, with the Vortex. So I I think it's great. I, I like the profile of it um, back and forth, and the cost is ridiculous. I mean, I think I got mine for 90 bucks. I've seen them as low as 90 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, they come in. They have some pretty good prices. There's some sales of ninety bucks. They generally fluctuate between like one twenty to one fifty, and then I see them go on sales. At, um, I've seen them at various places on sale around those. Right. So if you see it for like two hundred bucks, just wait because you don't need to pay that. What was the next one? I think we both have one of these. Aimpoint Comp M4. You know, I think really if you're going to talk red dots. Oh. This, this is the granddaddy. This is from the company that kind of Man. you know made it the thing. I I love. Now I know I said I've shot. I put it on the Vesky, but it went right back on the 300 blackout. The 300 blackout, I was my home defense rifle, but I haven't uh, zeroed it properly on the Novesky rifle yet. But I love this Comp M4. I got it on a screaming deal. A guy was getting a divorce and he needed to liquidate, and so I think I bought it for 200 bucks. Oh my god! Like, Only you could come up with a deal like that. Jeez, like, two hundred. I bought I bought that in a win a uh, Winchester I think eighteen ninety or eighteen ninety four eighteen ninety four and a Glock uh, seventeen. All of that was like seven hundred and fifty bucks. Jeez. So uh, it was out the door. But with that being said, I really want the Comp M five that I'm looking up right now. Uh, the Comp M5 really is sweet. Tell me about your thoughts on the Comp M4. So, mine, I don't know. I, I get the impression that it was issued to somebody. It might very well have been stolen from the military. I don't know. But, you know, it's got some dings. Like, it's been used hard. And there is just absolutely nothing that is, you know, uh, impeding its function. Uh, the thing does not look like it's necessarily, you know, had gentle hands touching it. But... Can I tell you it looks beautiful on top of the HK416? Yeah, you can say that. It looks beautiful. It does. It does. It's awesome looking on top of an HK416. Oh, it is. It is such a sight. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know if it was the bullets going off in the rain, like the rounds going off in the range, or it was like the palpitations of my heart, like looking at that HK and that aim point together. Like, I'm pretty sure I heard Barry White, Marvin Gaye. Like, yeah. It was crazy. Duo. Or Gloria Gaynor. <laughs> there you go. And it comes out. <laughs> um, you know, when it comes to the Comp M4, it's never disappointed. Uh, reliable as all get out. Rugged and durable as all get out. Accurate. Uh, you know, it's everything I'd want uh, from a red dot. And uh, I have no trepidation in its use. But brand new, you're going to pay. Oh, yes. There is no you're going to pay. Like, uh, I just have the price sheet for the M5s up here, what they're going for, and anywhere from 850 to 1000 just, I mean, it's it's a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money to invest in a red dot. 
especially with some of the other options that we've talked about on this list. When you think about, I mean, I think it goes back to the, you know, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to pull this out of the gun safe once a year. I'm going to put 30 rounds through it. Do I want a thousand dollars tied up into a red dot? No, I don't. You know, by the time I've shot enough, uh, to have, you know, used it, really used it, you know, aim point's going to be on its eighth generation of whatever that was. You know, it's a lot. But, you know, if, if you were a hunter, you know, if you were going to stalk animals and be out in the woods, I think it'd be a great optic to put on because you're, I think you're more likely to be out in that environment and, I don't know, drop your rifle, bang it against a tree, do something. Look, I don't think the Comp M4, the uh, optics in that category, I think they're going to withstand that kind of abuse hands down every day, all day. And frankly, I think that while the guts are probably no different than the higher uh, end that we like, from Vortex and SIG. I don't think SIG and Vortex could put up with the abuse. And I don't think they were designed to. No, I think And I think if they designed them to, they would cost the same. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that they're just trade-offs. Another thing, I think these retain their value really well. True, true. I think think if you make that investment and you take care of it, I think you could could probably sell... I could probably sell my Comp M4 for... Probably a pretty good price. Yeah, not much of a loss. Yeah, I mean, I take I take pretty good care of it. Um, it comes off the rifle and back into the nice case and placed in the safe and loved well. I mean, the other optics aren't taken care of as well as that Comp M4 is. What are you laughing at me for? You baby stuff too much. I baby I stuff mean, too much. It's supposed to have dings and dents. You know, there's a whole industry of seracoding stuff to make it look like you dinged and dented it. We need I, to have a show on that too. Yeah, I don't, I don't have to worry about that. I just use my stuff and it gets that. There's way. also a whole industry of operators that aren't operators. Yeah, well, you, we we make fun of that all day long. Um, I guess, and so th- these are just red dots that we have had hands on with that we feel comfortable enough talking to you about. Either like the first one telling you probably not. Yep. Unless yep. it's a, unless it's a truck gun, you're throwing it around. I mean, if it's a well, I mean, if it's a truck gun, there's the implication that you have to rely on it for something. Well, and then there's that, and then I would say strike three. This thing, yeah, no. I would say plinker. Yeah, if I, it is something that is used for nothing other than plinking, and you're not going to be disappointed if it ever fails, then you know, there you go. Buy them all day long, every day. But for I saw the I saw a Romeo five for a hundred and twenty bucks. You telling me for for forty more dollars that that's worth it. That's worth it to get a sig to go to go get a sig. But those are just what we've had hands on for red dots. So what we want to ask now is, what have you had hands on with? What is your experience? And I mean, you know, we were trying to figure out what else is out there. I mean, Burris and Bushnell. I mean, they're not the bleeding edge of technology, but no. I have a Bushnell on a two forty three that's taken three deer. Yeah, including the one hanging on my wall. You know, it doesn't have. Oh, that's to be real. A, yeah, that doesn't have to be a four thousand dollars scope to kill a deer, uh, and that bushnell does it just fine. I think I pulled that out of uh, clamshell plastic wrap on a academy wall when I put it on that rifle. <laughs> it killed some deer, but I mean, you can find these all over the place. Bushnell, um, Nike, I think probably has one. Um, who else? Burris, we've seen. Burris does. I'm sure Leopold has a there's, somewhere. There's other ones. Uh, Eotech's got some form of one. Yeah. 
Um, there's others, but here's where you guys come into play. We're going to ask you about it. So send yours in, your experiences with Red Dots, either on this list or not. Uh, ar15.podcast at gmail.com. That's ar15.podcast at gmail.com. Somebody who sends in their response will get a cleaning kit from Otis. Ah, very nice. Yes. And, um, I believe I can hook you up with some cleaning chemicals from Excellent Labs too. Outstanding. So, uh, we'll do that. And, uh, that'll be somebody that has feedback for red dots. Based on this question. Based on this question. You can, uh, do that to ar15.podcast at gmail.com. That's ar15.podcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website, ar-15podcast.com. So that being said, I think we've covered the full gamut, but <clears throat> I don't know. I think to wrap it up along that spectrum are an array of choices that are going to do a great job of giving you the tools to have a really darn fine point-and-shoot rifle. I mean, these are not scopes. You're not going to be a thousand-yard sniper putting on a red dot. And red dots are not designed to do anything like that. But within that kind of engagement range that a lot of people would think that they'd be using the optic for, they're going to do everything you need. From the beginning to the end. And you know, when it comes to something like Sightmark, I can't say it's not good. I can't say that there isn't a Chinese company who hasn't made some knockoff or even come up with their own design of a red dot that isn't going to do everything you've, you're going to ask of it for its lifetime. You know? But even a broken clock's right twice a day? Absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, I don't want you to think that we're saying don't ever do it. I'm just trying to tell you to be cautious. Let's get serious here. Chinese crap. But, um, <laughs> so I don't know. Jay, do you have any thoughts? No, that's that's about it. All right. I just say I think just be careful with what you're buying, and you know these are just our opinions on what is um, Hollow Sun Vortex Sig uh, Aimpoint, all solid companies, all companies you can go to uh, with you if you had a problem that you could buy it. Make sure you buy through a reputable dealer. Is what I would tell you. Yeah, don't uh, buy off of Amazon, and if it's an Amazon's, Amazon store that has a Hong Kong location, yeah. that <laughs> yeah, that is a red flag. I don't, I don't know if any of these big guys sell on Amazon. I don't think any of these big guys are going to sell on Amazon. No, but there are plenty of people on Amazon that will buy these and then resell yeah. them. But so make sure you buy from a reputable seller. Brownells, uh, Midway, Joe Bob's. There's got to be more, right? Rainier. Rainier. Um, shoot, your local gun store can probably get a deal for you, like too. AIM, what's the AIM surplus? AIM surplus. Yeah, I mean, I think they're all over the place. You're going to find good dealers. I don't know about Optics Planet, though. I, Have you ever ordered anything from them? A holster. Did it come two years late? No, it was fine. I hear horror stories from Optics Planet. Uh, I know. I know. I, I can't help you. Okay. Well. Just buy from a reputable dealer. That being said, I think we can call this show... Okay. Send uh, your uh, comments on your red dot sites to be entered to win that uh, cleaning kit from Otis Technology and uh, uh, cleaning chemicals from uh, Excellent Labs. I hope Matt's cool with that. We talked about it about three months ago. So surprise, Matt. ExcellentLabs.com. 
uh, or that's going to be coming out of my pocket. Um, send any questions or comments to us, ar15.podcast at gmail.com. That's ar15podcast at gmail.com or go to the website, ar-15podcast.com. Subscribe and listen to the AR15 podcast for free on iTunes or on Stitcher. Leave us a review so the show can place higher in the searches for potential listeners. Uh, follow us on Instagram at ar15podcast. Join the conversation on Facebook. Um, we posted pictures before we started uh, recording of two monsters, a Red Bull, Oreos, Nutter Butters, and chips. It's our snacks to get through this. We are making sacrifices for yep, you. That's podcast for you. <laughs> so uh, thanks for listening. You guys have a good week. All right. We'll see you next time. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.